Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. Conspiracy theorists of the world unite. He is refining his methods. He is evolving. There have been other times when a danger upon the world required the services of singular individuals. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. Are you like a crazy person? I'm quite sure they will say so. Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios in Dark Fringe Radio. And welcome to Dark Fringe Radio, your number one spot for the conspiratorial, paranormal, unusual, macabre, and strange. And uh, thanks for joining in on another episode of Dark Fringe Radio. We really appreciate it. And uh, this week we got a treat for you. But uh, before we get into all the particulars and uh, so on and so forth, I got to introduce my co host as. Every week, Jay Galosi. Jay, what's going on, brother? You're a swagger tonight, my man. You guys <laughs> have no idea. It's like the fifth time we've done this shit. He comes <laughs> always crashing in like a bull on time shop. Seriously, <laughs> dude, get off the cocaina. Oh, boy, man. I wish I was on that. But, uh, yeah, no, this is natural <laughs> high, man, right here. This is all natural. And um, I uh, thank everybody for joining in on Dark Fringe Radio. We got a great episode for you guys tonight, and uh, I want to thank uh, my co-host Jake Losi, of course, for joining me again. Dramatic pause, yeah, for another episode of Dark Fringe Radio. So tonight we're going to have a nice interview with Mr. Mark Anthony. He is the psychic lawyer, the psychic Indiana Jones, and uh, we're going to talk about all that later on in our discussions with Mr. Mark Anthony. Uh, but first, of course, we got to get into the intro. And you know how that goes, Jay, right? I do. Yeah, we got to tell everybody how to listen to the podcast and tell everybody about our social media. So we'll start with the social media first, of course. You can find us at Dark Fringe Radio on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Again, Dark Fringe Radio. Make sure you like, share, and, uh, uh, you know, spread the word about us uh, on the social media. So we really appreciate you do that. And uh, if you want to contact us or if you want to be a guest on the show, uh, make sure you send that information over to us at the Dark Fringe at gmail.com again that's the dark fringe at gmail.com so very simple send that over to us so uh, i am uh, always on there and i respond very quickly and promptly to any uh emails that we get there and uh, of course how you listen to the podcast jay tell everybody how they can listen to the podcast jay it's very simple usually very carefully and probably under the influence <laughs> yes very carefully and under and under the influence uh just like we are tonight but uh, you can go uh, very promptly and responsibly to darkfringeradio.wordpress.com, and you can go there and pick any of the streaming sites that we have there available for you to listen to the podcast, which is all the major streaming sites. Uh, we're talking about Google Play, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, all that stuff. So it's all right there for you for your listening pleasure. So, yeah, a lot of episodes, Jay, and we're cranking them out, man, this year, and I'm really happy about that. I think we're going to hit that 100 this year. 
that was the goal. That was the goal. We're about halfway through, and we still got a few to get there. So we uh, we got to keep going strong. Yes, I think we are going to definitely get there by the end of the year. And Jay, let's talk about a real quick thing. I want to kind of uh, segue into talking about podcasts and. Yeah, and uh, I want yeah, to kind man. of bring this up because this is going to be something that you're going to be doing in the future. I know we kind of talked about this. Uh, we, we kind of hit on this uh, before, but you're going to be coming out with your own podcast here, Jay, right? Yes, yes. I am going to be coming out with my own podcast. It's called What's Your Handle? Right. Uh, nice. It is an open format for monologuing, much like uh, if you ever watch uh, Big Trouble in Little China, Jack Burton opens the entire movie by talking into a CB radio. Now, there could be people out there listening. There could not be people out there listening. So it has that kind of a double meaning. What's your handle also fixes for, uh, works for people's uh, online footprint, their Instagram names, Facebook names, Twitter handles, things of that nature. And then, of course, there's the what's your handle, which is the what's your opinion? What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. What are you feeling? What's going on? With everything that's going on, uh, there's a lot, a lot to talk about, and it is a completely open format. No judgment, no worries. Uh, it's all going to be love, and it's all going to be just uh, allowing people to speak their mind. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and uh, I can't wait for that to come out. And, um, of course, that's going to be under the, uh, the the wings of Dark Fringe Radio, so we're going to promote the shit out of it, of course, here uh, on Dark Fringe Radio, and we're going to try to get as many people to listen to that as possible. So, yeah, that's uh, what's your handle that Jay is going to be doing, and uh, we are very happy and um, elated and um what is, what's the word, Jay? I'm trying to – we're anticipation. The anticipation is killing me at this point. So I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, I really think that you're going to do a great job with it. So really looking forward to it, and uh, that's What's Your Handle, Jay Galosi. We're going to uh, promote the hell out of it, and uh, stay tuned for more information on that as well. So, uh, so that's it for the intro, Jay. I think um, that's it for right now. I did have one mailback question, and I just uh, – I didn't want to get uh, what's-his-name involved in all that just for one question, but – uh, this question came from nah, social distancing. Social distancing. <laughs> yeah, he is from the UK, so we can't we can't have him on here. So uh, socially distant. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but uh, we did have an email from a Shelby Gomez, and uh, Shelby writes. She's from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She wanted to know what our first psychic experience. So that's what she's asking here. So uh, she wants to know what our first ex- psychic experience, if we've ever had one ourselves. Uh, when it comes to psychics. Uh, Jay, did you ever have a psychic experience with maybe a, a psychic and maybe somebody telling you some information that you never thought that somebody else would know and they just maybe blurted it out? You had any experiences like that, Jay? Uh, honestly, while I've had a lot of paranormal experiences, I would say the closest I've come, my first one really just happened not too long ago. Um, I recently started seeing someone and she... Uh, read tarot cards. So she will pull my cards, and it's very interesting the information that comes along with it. So, but that would be my first and thus far only quote unquote psychic experience. So, let me ask you this I mean, uh, besides she knowing almost everything about you um, from dating you from this short period of time, and uh, what did you find? Like, did you find like what her interpretations of the cards were pretty accurate? Uh, you know, they were. You There's a couple different ways to do it. Um, and there's meditations that go along with some. Uh, so it's not exactly like one would think just going in and the cards are going to tell you your future. But if you ask a question or if there's something that's on your mind, uh, you can have a pretty deep experience. 
where you do get some revelations. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, I've had those revelations myself. I mean, um, you know, living in a uh, Hispanic uh, household, we've always had people that are kind of like around the perimeter of the family. Um, not so much family, but maybe like friends of the family that may have had or, you know, these issues or not issues, but these psychic abilities. And, uh, you know, it's 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 pretty interesting because, you know, they can hit on some certain things that you're like, man, I've really never told anybody that. Or maybe I've only told one or two people about that. So certainly somebody that you wouldn't know, and they were able to kind of like um, uncover that. And it, it's 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 quite interesting. You know, the first time I've ever had that happen, at that moment, uh, I, I had an uncle in the family who was going through some pretty uh, serious uh, medical issues, let's say. And um, this okay. particular person who had these powers um and the abilities was able to basically pinpoint this person in my family my uncle of course and talk about the ins and outs of what they're going through and what's going to happen afterwards and they were absolutely correct uh it was pretty interesting because i wasn't uh i kind of took it with a grain of salt i was just kind of like yeah okay great you know what i mean one of those kind of deals and it, you know, i was like you know whatever right i didn't really put a lot of attention on yeah 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 Thanks. You know, listen, we all have, you know, we've all been to... What the hell is that word? The skepticism. <laughs> Thank you. Skeptical. Jesus Christ. The Iranian tobacco. Um, but... Uh, oh, it's not, it's not doing me any favors this evening, sir. It's not doing me any favors. It's all good. It's all good. But, yeah, I mean, you get that, you know, you have a level of skepticism at, at the beginning. And you don't know what to think. And then certain shit starts to happen. And you're like, and you start to think back and you're like, man, that person was right. I, I don't understand how that person could understand or foresee all those things that they said they was going to happen. And it actually happened. So, again, um, that was my first, like, really significant experience with a psychic. Uh, again, they had no inside prior knowledge of what was going on. Um, it was completely separated. I mean, we were talking about one side of the family that had nothing to do with the other side of the family. It was like my mom's side of the family versus my dad's side of the family who had no interaction with each other. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and, right. yeah, it was really weird. So, anyways, long story short, that was my first experience. Um, but um, I really do appreciate that email, Shelby. And that ties in, of course, to um, our guest tonight, Mr. Mark Anthony. We're going to be talking about a lot of different stuff tonight. We're going to be talking about the COVID. We're going to be talking about... Um, you know, the writing and uh, how to kind of like, we sure are. <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to, we talk about how to kind of like keep yourself isolated from that, uh, you know, spiritually, because a lot of times that stuff can really drain you. I don't know about you, Jay, but if you go on Facebook or anything like any kind of social media and it's just like a bombardment of this stuff. And as much as you, you know, either, a, you know, approve, I stay out of all of it. Yeah, I know you do. I, you're, you're very good at it. I stay out. I stay out of all of it for yeah. many, 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 many reasons. And you're smart by uh, doing that. Me. Yeah, no, listen, I don't I don't fault you for that. I, I think you're very smart by doing that. And the only reason why I fall into it is because I have to do fucking promotion for the for the podcast. So I have to be on social media. So it's it's out there in front of me constantly. Uh, so, uh, you know, yeah, yeah it's just, it, it, it can drain you, you know what I mean? So we kind of get into that and how to protect yourself from all that shit and, uh, you know, be a little bit more positive in this time where everything just seems so doom and gloom. But, uh, before we get into that interview, we got to go into what the F Florida man 
And, uh, of course, uh, Jay, uh, you know, this is uh, one of our favorite segments and one of the favorite segments of our listeners. Florida man. A Florida man. A Florida man. A Florida man. Now to the town of Sefner, Florida, near Tampa, where last night the earth opened up as it does increasingly, and this time it swallowed a 37-year-old man as he slept in his home. A man accused of destroying a liquor store in Okaloosa County told police he was in Alice in Wonderland. Matthew Horace Jones also said a caterpillar smoking a hookah told him to do it. A man calls 911 while Collier County Sheriff's deputies are chasing him, and he says... Donald Trump, our president, is his personal friend, a close one at that. A Lake Worth man is uh, not too happy. He's accused of getting violent when waiters at a restaurant told him they weren't giving away free pizza. Covering Florida this morning, a Key West man is behind bars. Investigators say he was caught with a large amount of cocaine hidden in this Cookie Monster doll. Holy shit, man. Uh, so, uh, Jay, what do you have this week for What the F Florida Man? What the F? Florida man comes down to uh, a very interesting, very interesting day. Subject: <laughs> You are praising the Lord too loud. Oh, really? Florida man, a Florida man had heard quite enough from a nearby, a nearby outdoor church service, and there's no telling if Alan Cheeseborough, very Wisconsin sounding name, <laughs> was already mad about something else when he approached the church assembly. Uh, but he allegedly, air quotes, allegedly, allegedly, there's always allegedly, right? Bounced up to the pastor, started yelling about the racket they were making. It escalated into a physical altercation. The man pushed over the pastor, uh, the pastor, excuse me, and threw a few punches at churchgoers. And then started to yell rape. Nice. Wow. He started to yell and rape. And I can't breathe. And he can't breathe. He started saying rape and I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! So he's just taking all the uh, the, uh, the 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 terms that are the you know the the whist, like the the high terms. You know what I mean? The the terms that everybody gets kind of like uh, you know. My back, yeah. my neck, my neck, and my back. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just had all the hot button topics right there. So he was saying he can't breathe, and he said, "What else? What was the other thing you said?" Uh, rape. Rape. Oh. And he was pissed off that they were praising Jesus too loud. Wow. So he's punching out the pastor. That man is, he punched out the pastor and a couple of churchgoers. And so. swinging at the churchgoers yeah. and he's rape, and he's, saying, and he's saying rape. Okay. Well, hey, listen, uh, to each his own, I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, there's, no, there's nothing. There's nothing to say at, at this point, right? I mean, the guy's certifiable at this point, right? Certifiable crazy. Something. I mean, uh, I, listen, for a guy, yeah. to, for a guy, yeah. to, who the hell knows? I mean, definitely anger issues, probably a little LSD, uh, you know, money problems, maybe not getting blown at home by the wife. Who knows? But <laughs> something pissed him off about that holy spirit. And he went over and he punched it in the face. Yeah, I think the wrong spirit got into his body, though. It wasn't the Holy Spirit that got into him. It was something else. But, man, that's some crazy shit. Fireball. Fireball. Yeah, that or meth. One of the two. Fireball and meth. How about that? Mix A mix of both. Probably. Yeah, that's a good mix right there. Probably. Man. I hear they mix well. There you go. From a friend. <laughs> You know what? That kind of uh, ties into something that I saw um, too here, Jay, not too long ago. It was literally like maybe three or four days ago. Have you seen that video? And I'm not, you probably haven't because you're not on Facebook and stuff like that as much as I am. But 
it's a video of uh, these people at the Palm Beach County commissioners, um, basically, uh, where they were trying to pass the law or trying to pass the uh, the, the the mandatory uh, you know covering of the mouth and, and with the with the masks and everything in here in our yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And for those that don't know, and you may not know. We live in Palm Beach County, which is in Florida, of course, and it's probably one of the oh. hottest, hottest of beds of the COVID right now. Uh, it, I mean, I think every day it's gone up like 5,000 to 7,000 people who, uh, you know, uh, have been infected by the disease. So, uh, yeah, it's a hotbed yeah. here. And so uh, at the county commissioner's uh, board meeting, um, when they were trying to pass this law for the mandatory, uh, you know, covering of the face with the mask. You know, we had these people coming out there, man. There was some crazy shit. <laughs> there was these ladies talking about, you know, how God, you know, gave birth, you know, to man by breathing air into his lungs. And how, who are we to restrict God's, you know, power <laughs> of breathing? <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus. We have a real tight, like, understanding. That being said, there's some people he's trying to call home in a very subtle way and they are not picking up the phone. Yeah, I, I think so, man. Do you think this is like Darwinism, man? You know, survival of the fittest at this point. Uh, listen, if you're if you're dumb enough to be like, I can breathe whatever air I want, uh, and I don't give a fuck about anybody else. Then yeah, you deserve you deserve to die. Yeah, yeah, I get I you. I mean, <laughs> that right there lies the biggest problem with our our society as a whole in general is there's not enough community to it. It's far too much uh, for everybody only looking out for themselves. And that, my friend, is why everything is completely fucked. There are, there are so many different groups and collections and the media has got us playing against one another and we fall for it and we fall for it all because of that same reason. We don't have enough sense to me to be like, oh, I don't want to hurt that dude. I'd like to help that dude. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's yeah, that's exactly right. You know what I mean? And and we get kind of like wrapped up into all this shit too. And uh, you know, it's easy to again with the social media and the things that are bombarding you constantly all day, every day. It's if it's not you know writing, it's fucking racism, it's separatism, it's uh, you know wealthier against the poor. It's 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 always some type of you know. Uh, dynamic where it's them versus us, you know what I mean? And it's just, it gets tiring after a while. I mean, it got to the point, Jay, where I actually posted a meme yesterday where it was like five people fighting with each other at a diner and they like put like uh, labels on them. It was like one guy was like COVID-19. The other guy was like, uh, you know, uh, you know, writing. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that meme. Yeah. yeah and, and there was this one dude just sitting at the table, not even looking at it and just like sitting there watching horror movies on his cell phone. And it's just like, you know what? That's exactly the the uh, correct picture to definitely show what is going on right now. It's just it, it's such chaos that people get so wrapped up in it they get lost in it. So um, again, I just wanted to let people know just not to you know fall into those things because what happens is I see in, in some people they just get so wrapped in it, up in it that it's just like that's all they talk about and it gets very tiring after a while. And you know people don't want to hear about conflict all the time. You know what I mean? People want to hear about cool shit. You know what I mean? Like us. So yeah, anyways, <laughs> that's a, that's a good, uh, a good one for what the F Florida man, Jay. I really do appreciate that. And uh, of course that's going to get us into our interview here with Mr. Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, the psychic Indiana Jones. And we're going to be talking about all this crazy stuff here in a second. So please enjoy. This is Bernie Taylor, author of before Ryan, finding the face of the hero. You are now on dark fringe radio. 
Did he like the Superman movies, like Christopher Reeve? Because I'm hearing, oh more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. That makes sense? It was my husband. And we chose the theme to Superman for our wedding song. <laughs> everyone's heard of lawyers, and everyone's heard of psychics. But not everyone's heard of a psychic lawyer. I'm an Oxford-educated attorney, and I'm licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. My specialization is personal injury and criminal defense trial law. I'm a fourth-generation psychic medium, so what that means is that I communicate with spirits. And I have to have a sense of humor. I mean, let's face it, you don't run into a psychic lawyer every day, and I like to joke that I chase stolen ambulances driven by drunk drivers who want to talk to dead people. But on a more serious note, my experience as a prosecutor and then later as a criminal defense lawyer led to me becoming an on-camera legal expert in high-profile murders. But the one consistency through both of them is the failure of the Los Angeles Police Department to properly handle scientific evidence. And so the question is, will this defendant get away with murder? My psychic roots go back generations, in fact, on both sides of the family. And I started seeing spirits when I was about three. I grew up in a psychic family. Dad was very private about his gifts. Mom, on the other hand, <laughs> was very open about hers. My childhood was like the Sixth Sense meets Everybody Loves Raymond. I'd come home from school. Mom would say, I saw a spirit today. And I'd be like, well, that's cool. Do we have any peanut butter? And she'd go, yeah, honey, it's over there. I was groomed to be a Catholic priest, but I went to law school instead. As my psychic abilities intensified, I studied evidential mediumship at the Arthur Findlay College for the Advancement of Psychic Science in England. In other words, the psychic version of Harry Potter. Trust me, being psychic comes in handy when you practice law, especially during jury selection and when I visit crime scenes. All right, guys, good evening. And our guest tonight is the author of the bestsellers, Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity, he appears regularly on national television and radio as a legal analyst, psychic medium, and expert on the paranormal, after-death communication, and near-death experiences. In addition, Mark's credentials and experience are unparalleled in the paranormal world. He is a, an Oxford-educated trial attorney, licensed practice before the United States Supreme Court, and has tried over 300 jury trials in England. He has furthered his gift of mediumship at the prestigious Arthur Finley College for the Advancement of Psychic Science, Mark Anthony's reputation as the psychic Indiana Jones is due to his extensive background in science, quantum physics, history, archaeology, philosophy, and theology. Please welcome to Dark Fringe Radio our guest, the psychic lawyer slash the psychic Indiana Jones, Mr. Mark Anthony. How are you tonight, Mark? Thank you, Will. It's great to be back on Dark Fringe Radio. Oh, thank you for coming back on. And listen, uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, you know, of course, yeah, you know, we've had you on before uh, regarding your book, Evidence of Eternity. And uh, what a great you know piece of work that is, of course, you know, helping people uh, with uh, the grief of letting go and and, and, and the afterlife and, uh, you know, talking about that whole process, and I think it's a great thing. But I wanted to bring you on tonight to talk to you about all the things that are going on in the world currently as well, and, uh, you know, to get your take on what's going on. And, you know, the first thing that I wanted to kind of bring up with you, uh, Mark, is, uh, you know, the COVID thing. What, uh, you know, we have this uh, issue going on right now with the COVID, uh, you know, going on, and, uh, 
it's a it's 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 a very sensitive subject right now because there's a there's a lot of things that are happening currently in, in the world and a lot of people are either on one side of the fence when it comes to this. I mean, what's your, what's your whole take on this whole thing? The COVID nineteen pandemic has really shaken up the entire planet, and there's so many different facets to this. Will um, unfortunately in the United States, it's been politicized, and it it, it really shouldn't. It, basically, our political leaders need to be listening to the medical experts and the scientists and following their recommendations. And a lot of people, I get emails constantly, is this the biblical plague? Is this the end of the world? What people need to realize is since the beginning of human history, there have always been pandemics. If you, if you go back, I mean, we know in the, the Bible they talk about the, the plagues upon Egypt, but certainly um, there are chronicles throughout, throughout uh, ancient Greece, Rome, India, China, how there were plagues which decimated populations. I think any student of history and most people have heard of the Black Death. That was the bubonic plague right. which swept through Europe in the medieval era. And people were thinking it was God's wrath upon humanity, and this group was blaming that group, and God is punishing us. And now we know that it was a bacteria uh, transmitted from uh, the fleas on rats to humans. Because in that time, well, everybody had rats. But, you know, they they were attributing it to demons and devils and, you know, know, whose political enemies were who. Well, that was the norm back then. You know, that's what they they converted to. It's very, very normal. Um, and then in 1665, there was another plague which swept through Europe, and by that time, that was during the Enlightenment, and the superstar of the Enlightenment was none other than Sir Isaac Newton. And Sir Isaac Newton was went into self-quarantine. Apparently, he was rather germaphobic. And he, while in quarantine, made very good use of his time. He developed the laws of gravity the laws of optics. Um, He also invented calculus, much to the dismay of every high school student since then, I think. (laughs) Uh, Then then more recently, we had the Spanish flu of uh, 1918, 1919, and that actually killed more people than died in World War I, which had just concluded. And you know what happened, Will? is the doctors then were saying, you know, stay in, stay in. Well, World War I ended, so everybody came out to throw these big celebrations, dancing in the streets, and it spread like wildfire. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happening here. The, the country has opened up too soon. You know, everything's about, we've got to get the economy going, we've got to get the economy going. When the scientists were saying, well, we can open up, but we have to do it in a structured fashion. So, so basically, uh, the way this has been handled in the United States is a complete blunder, and uh, now, unfortunately, we're paying the price of it. Um, but I think that uh, on the flip side of the coin, well, this is the first time in human history when all uh, an entire wing of science, biologists, medical experts, um, scientists, are working for a common purpose, and right. that is to develop a vaccine mm-hmm. and useful uh, treatments for when people contract this. And for a shining moment, 
and shining in the darkness. And what I mean by that is when the U.S. was on lockdown, most of Europe was on lockdown, India was on lockdown, China was, Mm -hmm. the waters and the oceans were cleaner. The people of Mumbai, India, could actually see the mountain range because there wasn't the pollution. People in Beijing were able to go outside without uh, masks on, you know, because of the industrial waste for the first time in five centuries. Crazy. Dolphins were spotted in the canals of Venice, Italy, mm-hmm. um, which are notoriously polluted and dirty. Mm-hmm. And we started seeing nature kind of making a comeback. Also, it let us know that if if we could stop this adversarial us versus them, you know, we're superior to you, well, our religion's better than yours, if all that nonsense could stop, And if we could put our brain trust, our scientists working together, we could actually solve this planet's problems. We could develop clean energy sources. If we're going to be using fossil fuels, we can um, develop ways to clean them up. We can increase food production. We can increase health standards. We can, uh, you know, safely control, you know, human population. Uh, and, And the answer all lies in science. But the problem, Will, is for the most part, countries are always adversarial, and so they put their scientists to working on ways to, you know, countermand and um, outdo and, in many instances, kill people in other countries. Yeah, we we see that time and time again, unfortunately, and um, I think you're absolutely right when you're coming, you know, from that point of view. And, you know, I, I've always wanted to, you know, I, I always think about weird things and situations in times like this. Like what I and what I mean by that is this, is that, you know, we are going through a, obviously a very different time than most. And but again, we are not. Um, this is something that's been repeated over and over again. So I wonder if there's like maybe like a psychic resonance over time, you know, because, you know, during the Spanish flu, the 1918s, that wasn't that long ago. I mean, we think about it that it was that long ago, but it really wasn't. It was only maybe a generation or so ago. You know what I mean? So is there maybe like a, a repetitive type of uh, you think? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know how the, when they talk about the paranormal, there's always that they, they bring up, um, you know, hauntings that are uh, residual. Is there maybe like a residual type of thing that's happening with the world right now? Is, is that what this is? That's what I think. In it's it's like when I was saying uh, how all of our scientists could be working together. I, I think that this was a a shockwave for the whole planet because for the you know we have developed weapons mm-hmm. that can obliterate life as we know it on this planet probably in under an hour. Mm-hmm. Okay, if we launched a nuclear strike on Russia and China and they responded. I mean, no one's going to win through that. Right. Okay, there's going to be radiation and and uh, just just wholesale. Just, it would make the dark ages look like a trip to Disney World. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll just be absolutely uh, horrifying and kill all the life on this planet. And it's as if we're being given a karmic wake-up call mm-hmm. that you can, you know, the thing is, humans discriminate. The disease doesn't. Right. 
Um, it will kill you, you know. But I remember when it first started, and hearing uh, young people partying and saying <laughs> in the news that, "Oh, well, it's old people are going to die." Well, guess what? <laughs> guess what age group is being hit the hardest now? Yeah. It's people between twenty and fifty right. are are uh, being affected, and and that's a horrible thing to say. Oh, well, who cares that the old people are dying? Well, the people saying that aren't thinking that it might be their grandparents. Right. Okay, so if you go to a party and you come home and you infect your grandmother or grandfather and then they die, and this disease is painful, it's, it's in, in, one out of ten um, people who are diabetic die when they catch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it. I've talked to people who had it, and they said uh, you know, they've been recovered now for over two months. They said they're still coughing up blood, and wow. they just don't feel right. Wow. So this is not the flu. This is like the flu to the 10th power, or rather pneumonia. So we're being given an opportunity here. And unfortunately, I think that, as usual, humanity is going to blow it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, unfortunately, yeah, that we have a, a, a historical uh, record of blowing it, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, I just hope that we're just a little bit more intelligent enough this time not to blow it that much and uh, be able to pull the reins up at least a little bit before it goes to complete uh, un uh, reconcilement. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but Well, uh, yeah, yeah, people think that this is a hoax. Yeah. Listen to the scientists. They're like, this is the new world order. They're trying to seize power. Really? I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm on a lot of shows, and I hear all sorts of conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. and you know, I listen to everything with an open mind. Right. But no, no world leader um, has anything to gain by creating this disease that destroys the economy and kills millions of people. Uh, all right, there's, there's nothing here to be gained. And, and like we were discussing earlier, there have been plagues throughout human history that that uh, have come and decimated you know the the populations mm-hmm. you know and then uh, then i hear people like uh this is the world is just so terrible mm-hmm. it's like well when has it been wonderful right was it during the roman empire right okay you know people think if you live during the roman empire there's a good chance a you're going to be a slave or b you'd be thrown into the arena exactly. as uh as entertainment at the you know at the Colosseum. what about during the medieval era oh that was a real lot of fun would you really want to live during that time um, you think about, you know, uh, the good old days. I hear people saying, oh, the good old days of the 1950s. Well, not if you were African-American. No, you weren't. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, mean yeah. I don't think there's a whole lot of black people that reminisce about the good old 1950s <laughs> segregation days. No. Um, yeah. Y- yeah, World War II was no picnic. No. The Great Depression was horrible. Mm-hmm. The Cold War wasn't fun because we lived on the edge of being incinerated uh, by nuclear, nuclear war. Mm-hmm. And so... Humanity has never been the Republic of Kumbaya, and today is no exception. It's just that we're more aware of it due to uh, communications and Internet and, uh, you know, the, the communications technology. And the other thing is, though, that we're now in an era where radical terrorist groups have the very real possibility of getting their hands on nuclear weapons and using them. So, so in that respect, yes, the world is, is worse, but as far as the way humans have behaved, I don't think that it's any worse now than it's been throughout history.
Yeah, I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think you're absolutely correct. And you know what? Let's um let's switch gears here for a second and uh, let's not be so doom and gloom. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about, okay, you know, this COVID thing we're going through right now. There's also another aspect to this that a lot of people are not talking about. And that's like uh, the depression side of this whole thing. You know, there's a lot of people that are cooped up inside their houses and, you know, people can get inside their own minds and uh, things can start to fester. And things that are bothering people uh, can start to fester and maybe manifest themselves in negative ways. And so uh, a big thing that we've been seeing lately is a lot of people that um, have been depressed about being inside, uh, being cooped up and, you know, not being able to go back to work and worrying about bills and things of that nature. So talk to me a little bit, uh, Mark, if you can, about how a, you know, a person can kind of like maybe get past that. What, what, what can we do for ourselves to maybe... Uh, you know, put ourselves in a better position so we're not so down and in, in, in the dumps when it comes to this whole situation? Hey, that's a very good question, Will, and I'm glad because it's real easy to, to get into the doom and gloom. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like everything that's wrong. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, I, I live on the barrier island in East Coast Central Florida, and I, I go for a walk every day, and especially during the quarantine, what I noticed was families spending time together. I'd see parents walking or riding bikes with their kids. I'd see a a family unit behaving like a family unit. And yeah. it, it was a, a beautiful thing to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one of the things you can do, even if you know, you're isolated, pick up the telephone. Stop texting and sending emails. Pick up the right. telephone and call a friend. Call a relative. Call an elderly relative. Mm-hmm have a real conversation because uh, elderly folks, I mean, what, what, what do they get in the mail? Bills. If you could take the time to write a little letter, handwritten or even type it or, you know, print it um, and send them something in the mail. Um, so reach out. Use our technology, our telephones, um, to, to reach out to people uh, that you love. Exercise. Um, you know, you can you you don't necessarily have to go to a gym. I you know the gyms are reopened now, but you got to be very careful there. Mm-hmm. Exercise produces endorphins, which counteract the neurotransmitters, the the neurochemicals that create depression. So you get out and you exercise. Um, meditation. Meditation is really wonderful because it's like if you think of your consciousness during the day, think of it as like a chalkboard or a blackboard or a whiteboard, okay, and you're writing on a Sharpie with it, mm-hmm. um, every thought, every, every impulse, every emotion, and think about what that would look like at the end of the day. It's a jumbled mess. It would be like trying to read a plate of spaghetti, whereas meditation, you erase that chalkboard so you can focus on one thing. Yeah. So you know, to do the outer workout, the inner workout, reach out to your loved ones and realize above all that if history has taught us anything, it's that eventually bad times come to an end. There will be a vaccine, there will be treatments, and I know some people are thinking that Bill Gates and George Soros are putting <laughs> microchips in the doses and, and hey, if you don't want to get the vaccine and run the risk of getting the disease and dying, go for it. You yeah. have it you have that is your choice. Right, right. But um but if you're not paranoid and you have faith in medical science, which I do, um eventually there will be a vaccine. This will be controllable. Here's another positive aspect. 
people are now learning how germs and diseases get transmitted. Coughing, mm -hmm. sneezing, mm -hmm. not covering your mouth, not washing your hands. Mm -hmm. You know, I do a lot of public events, and people come in, they're hacking and coughing on the front row, and I get all nervous about that because, <laughs> sure. you know, I, yeah. I do 20 cities a year. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm on a plane constantly and all this, and you're I don't like need someone like, yeah, yeah, coughing on the front row. It's like, stay home if you're sick. Right. You know, <laughs> I spent a lot of time in Japan. Japan and South Korea got this disease under control right away. Why? Right. If you're sick, you wear a mask when you go out in public, and better yet, you stay home and get over it. Mm -hmm. And then everyone else is wearing a mask because it prevents the droplets. Here's another thing. The mask needs to go over your nose. I've been out in public. I've been, you know, having to go to the grocery store. People are wearing a mask, but they're not covering their nose. Right. Okay, newsflash, everyone. The COVID-19 virus attaches to mucous membranes. Mm -hmm. Mucous membranes are in your eyes, your nose, nose and, and your mouth. <laughs> so cover your freaking nose. <laughs> it's so simple, right? I mean, you would think it would One be so would difficult. Think, but, but one of the positive things that's going to come out of this uh, heightened... Um, awareness of how how these infections are, are transmitted, it's also going to cause a decline in strep throat, in the common cold, and in flu, because they're all transmitted very similarly to the COVID, mm -hmm. to the, the COVID virus. Right. So, so, like, I've spent a lot of time in Japan, and they have, in a, and they're in a really cramped conditions. I mean, you have a country the size of, of Great Britain with three times the population. There's like 150 million plus people in Japan. Right. Yet they are so germ conscious, they are very quick and they're very, very clean about, you know, always washing your hands and, and personal uh, cleanliness, that they're very good about containing and controlling contagion. And I think that the whole world needs to learn from that example because we have to. And yeah. that's a positive thing. No, it is a positive thing. And I, I think I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, I think that people lose sight of things like that and uh, they need to be reminded of it, of course. And, uh, you know, it, it takes people like you and, and, and podcasts like ours to, you know, remind people of that. Listen, there's positive things that are going to come out of this. It's not all going to be just negative. So um, another thing I wanted to bring up, Mark, and um, I wanted to, of course, uh, switch the subject a little bit here is, of course, you know, we're dealing with a lot of unrest and uneasiness now in the country. Um, you know, uh, it's been quite a last month, a month and a half, um, you know, with all the high, high intentions and uh, what's going on uh, currently right now. What can people do to kind of like maybe circumvent a lot of this negativity that's going out there? I mean, I, I, listen, I everybody has their things they're, they, they, you know, what's going on right now. Maybe it's a good time to be a little bit more introspective about yourself, learn a little bit more about yourself, but what can people do to kind of avoid um, a lot of that, you know, negativity that's out there. And let me just jump in real quick by saying, I know one thing that I brought up that I thought was phenomenal was not watching the news as much. Um, but go ahead. Let me know what you, what your opinion is. Yeah, the news certainly incites people, but uh, you know, first off, people being in quarantine, the pandemic has created a lot of angst. And then, of course, 20 million Americans and, and millions more around the world are out of work. Mm -hmm. So desperate times create a sense of desperation and, and enhanced tension. And then, of course, um, George Floyd being murdered 
for all intents and purposes, um, by that police officer mm-hmm. on film, and we all watched it, mm-hmm. um, ignited the the uh, the undercurrent of of discontent with racism right. in in the United States and and around the world because uh, protests like this are happening everywhere, and racism is is a disease, but nobody is born a bigot. Right. Okay, racism is something that is learned. To some extent, I believe everybody is prejudiced in, you know, in one form or another mm-hmm. because, you know, these are learned behaviors. And if you look at it from an analytical standpoint, racism and prejudice stems from the us versus they syndrome. Right. Our group is better than that group. You know, think of a bunch of cave people. The tribe of Og doesn't like the tribe of Trog because they're fighting over the same, you know, wheat field or whatever it is. So us, we are better than they. <clears throat> okay, and right. now this has has cultivated over over millions of years, and uh, certainly uh, this is the perhaps the last battle of the United States Civil War. Mm, um, interesting. I mean. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine who who was a television host, and she's African American, and we were having a discussion about this. And she said that in in Europe, slavery was ended by an act of legislation. Britain, France, Holland, Spain, Portugal—they all passed legislation in the 1830s, 40s, and 50s right. to end slavery. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the United States, the end of slavery was imposed upon the South at the point of a gun. And mm-hmm. change imposed is change opposed. Right. So it created this this um, tension, which you know we're seeing when people say, oh, you know, the Confederate flag is, is heritage as opposed to hate. And the discussion that we had is, well, what if the United States, all the states that agreed, well, let's just um, end slavery like they did in Europe. Would there be the same amount of tension between the races that there is now? And her position was, most likely there would not be. And I'd never thought of it that way. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I, I thought, yeah. Um, so in in a sense, this undercurrent of of um, racial injustice and racial inequality, it's a very real thing. And I, you know, a lot of companies like Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben, and Mrs. Mm-hmm. Butterworth are changing their logos. And mm-hmm. and um, I, I think one of the things to avoid the tension is don't get into it on on social media and mm-hmm. Facebook. Yep. Although I did the other day, and that's why I'm bringing <laughs> this up. Somebody said. Oh, we're going to miss Uncle Ben and, and uh, Mrs. Butterworth and Aunt Jemima, mm-hmm. and how can they be racist? Mm. So I wrote on there, and I said, well, what if there was a box of grits with Adolf Hitler's picture on it? Right. And it said that all white people are like Adolf Hitler. <laughs> how would you feel then? And she goes, I never thought of that. And it's mm. like, well, maybe that's the key. Right. Start to think what it would be like. If you're in the other person's shoes, Mm, mm, mm. and I got a dose of this when I was in Japan, Um, and with all due, and I love Japan, I love uh, the Japanese people and the culture, however, um, I'm 
probably going to catch catch you know what for this. <laughs> Japan has a reputation for being one of the most racist countries in the world. I've heard that. Um, the, yes, yeah, yeah. the Japanese believe they're superior to the Chinese. They believe they're superior to the Koreans. Mm-hmm. They believe they're superior to the Europeans and to the Americans. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in Japan, and I'd be walking down a street, and women would clutch their purses and look at me, and people would step away, wow. you know. And I told that to a black friend of mine. He goes, "Well, now you know what it's like, yeah. you know." <laughs> and, and and I remember it was one time I was in a bookstore because yeah. they sold English uh, books in English, and I wanted to get you know a Japanese book that was in English. Right. And I I was walking out the front door, and this guy was coming up, and he looked up at me, and he was terrified. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm six one, okay, so and. In the let's you know the Japanese people that I was around were considerably shorter than I was, yeah. and I come in and I had a beard at the time, and uh, you know I had this kind of rough look about me, and he looked like <gasps> like you know devil. like I was something out of Vikings, like <laughs> Arr! you know yeah. gonna like attack, and and just like you know I'm like you know Konnichiwa, you know hello, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. and I walk by and he's like he was like shaking, yeah. you know, and then I realized people were afraid of me because I was white. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy when you actually um, have a situation like that happen to you. Um, I had it um, later on in life. Um, I remember um, I was actually at an ex girlfriend's uh, uh, birthplace in Ohio, and um, we went to a grocery store. And um, I remember walking down this aisle, and this is vividly. I could remember this like it was yesterday. And this little old white lady, I'm very innocent. You would never. You should, imposed no you know anything at all you know ill will or anything and (laughs) as she walks by she clutches her purse and i'm like i look at her i'm like oh darling you don't have to do that and i told her just like that (laughs) and she just smiled after but i had never ever encountered anything like that in my life prior to that and so it it is an eye-opening experience when it does happen to you because you really do understand what it is to be judged just by the way you look and and it's 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 a very weird feeling, but then again, it's a very introspective uh, um, situation for yourself as well. So you, you kind of like you, you kind of understand things a little bit better. Yeah, and I think so. When you start looking at uh, trying to look at things from other people's perspectives, you know, and I've been a prosecutor and a criminal defense attorney, and I can say from my own experience that African Americans are treated differently in our judicial and legal system. But I do, because I'm an attorney, I do want to talk about this for a minute. Please. We've all heard of the Miranda decision. Mm -hmm. All right. And um, something good may actually come out of, well, hopefully several good things will come out of um, George Floyd and the other people who died. And I'm not for one second downplaying the horror and the misery that uh, these people's families are enduring. Right. Okay, nor am I justifying this. But every decade or so, something happens which forces the legal system to adapt and change. Mm-hmm. And we, every cop show, every police uh, drama, legal drama, you always hear about Miranda rights. Mm-hmm. When someone's arrested, the police have to, you have the right to remain silent. Yeah, you know, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, cannot afford one, one will be appointed to you. We've all heard that, right. okay? Well, 
guy, I think his name was Enrique Miranda. He was a criminal back in the uh, back in the 1960s, and it was a murder case, and essentially the police beat the confession out of him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And his case went all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, you know, you can't coerce a confession, and, and somebody has to be informed of their rights, and if they're going to make a statement, it has to be done knowingly and voluntarily. They have to waive their rights. And so came the Miranda decision. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny because I remember this professor that was, when I was in law school, telling us about this. And he said, you know, he goes, my mother is this little old lady, and she's a barometer of American public opinion. And he <laughs> said, I was reading in the newspaper, or she was reading in the newspaper, he goes, my mother was reading in the newspaper, that Enrique Miranda, years after that decision, which made his name synonymous with, you know, constitutional rights, right. was murdered in a barroom brawl in a knife fight, which, wow. you know, he started. Wow. And he said, my mother called me up and said, isn't that horrible after all he's done for us? Okay, <laughs> he was a murderer, okay? And he eventually ended up in turn getting murdered. Right. And so a lot of people think, oh, then this, you know, what he did for us. But... What happened as a result of the Miranda case was that uh, the training and education of police began to, um, was improved. So now they started requiring intensive training, police having a better understanding of the law, better investigation techniques. Then with the advent of video cameras and now body cams, um, we're able to see in real time or have an accurate depiction of what, what happened um, or is happening when a police officer is engaged in an arrest. And so what I believe is going to happen with George Floyd, and to some extent, you know, President Trump signed that executive order, um, you know, requiring, uh, I guess, standards to be changed with the police. Right. And, of course, the activists are saying it's not enough, but it's a start. And other states are going to begin initiating this. Mm-hmm. It's going to do for arrest what... Miranda did. It's going to increase police training, increase um, their education standards, increase perhaps their their uh, or initiate um, racial sensitivity uh, training. It is going to evolve things. And what we all have to keep in mind, Will, is that the vast, vast majority of police officers are good people. That's true. But there are some that are real rotten people. Mm-hmm. But that's in every segment of society. That's true. That's in every profession. Most attorneys are decent people, but there's some real rotten to the core attorneys <laughs> yes, that right. make it bad for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And so I think that from a legal analyst standpoint, I can say with conviction that the George Floyd situation in the long run, is going to force a much-needed updating of police techniques and training. Um, If you give me just one more moment. Of course. And it's also incumbent upon the African-American community. There needs to be a dialogue between law enforcement and the communities, and not just the African-American community, the Latino, the white community, everybody. Um, I've seen in many situations where if a police officer approaches an African-American, there's this immediate attitude, and cops then respond to that attitude. These things need to stop, too. 
Yes. Okay, it's going to start with the police because the innocent really should have nothing to fear. And if the police come, the police should not be viewed as the enemy, nor should they act like it. And these things don't change overnight, but the 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 avalanche has started, and if if handled properly by the states and hopefully by Washington, that we can maneuver through this, and the outcome will be better for everybody. I I told I told I totally believe that, and I think that's going to happen. Um, I think I just think it's going to take time, unfortunately, and you know, with anything else, it just takes time. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight, just like you said. Uh, it's going to take uh, a lot of legislation. It's going to take a lot of, uh, like you said, training. Uh, you know, resetting of the mindset and um, you know that nature. So um, let's switch gears a little bit here, Mark, and um, let's talk about a little something else. Um, you're also known as the Psychic Indiana Jones. So let's let's talk about that for a minute. I, I that really piques my interest. We really didn't get to talk about that much um, the last time you were on our podcast. But where is the next adventure for Mark Anthony going to be? I mean, I know right now the COVID thing has probably put a halt to everything. But if there's been any place uh, that you've wanted to go, where, where's the next place you want to do and want to see and investigate? Oh, um, Egypt. In fact. I um I was I was uh, one of the keynote speakers at the Edgar Casey Center in Virginia Beach uh, at their Ancient Mysteries Conference in 2019, and I um, I met uh, Robert Scotch, Dr. Robert Scotch. Mm-hmm. He's a geologist, mm-hmm. and he is the one uh, the geologist who, uh, doing sound tests, believes he's discovered a large chamber beneath the Great Sphinx on the Giza Plateau yes. uh, near the pyramids. Also, he did extensive investigation of the rock around the Great Sphinx, and it's all very worn, and he said that, that this isn't from wind damage, this is from water. Water damage, yeah. And so yeah. that his, yeah, his hypothesis is that 4,500 to 5,000 years ago, the climate in Giza was much different, and that the Great Sphinx is older than the pyramids, actually considerably older, because it coincides, this type of erosion in water coincides with the end of the last... Hold on, there's a lightning storm going oh, here. I heard so that hear, one. I heard that. Yeah, you hear one. what sounds like <laughs> artillery fire in the background. There's a full-blown electrical call, and God said unto Moses. Okay, so, right, so speaking of Egypt, right? so, so, so back to the pyramids and to the Sphinx. Uh, the last ice age, according to, to uh, geologists, was roughly 9,000 years ago. And so... It's, it's dating the Sphinx possibly around that time, which is amazing. And when, when we met, he said, I would really like you to come with me and examine Egyptian artifacts and bring you to sites and see what impressions and feelings that you get. Which, you know, Egyptology, archaeology has always been one of my passions, but Egyptology is at the top of that passion list. Mm-hmm. And so so that is is the next uh, adventure I'd, I'd really like to to uh, dig my, my scholarly heels into. But once again, you know, the COVID crisis, yeah. everything's on hold uh, for now. Um, but no, but, that's, um, that's interesting yeah. because that, that goes along the same theory that uh, Graham Hancock, I believe, uh, came up with when it comes to regards to the, the, the erosion uh, in that area. Um, if not him, if it was somebody else, I can't remember the name. Um, but I mean, yeah, it, this is something that 
we we constantly see in history that we're constantly pushing things back and learning more and more uh, about certain things. Now, was that chamber found through what was it sonar or was it was it lidar that the? It was, uh, um, I, I, well, I think it was like ultrasound. Uh, it was like a. Um, yeah, I think it was LIDAR. LIDAR, okay. Um, and yeah. they also used an ultrasound. He also brought up another fascinating point. Um, one of the reasons people believe that the, the Sphinx dates from the time, the fourth dynasty the, um, in, in ancient Egypt occurred, as far as we can tell, about 4,500 years ago. And the great Sphinx is believed to have the head of Pharaoh Khafre, who built the second largest pyramid in the Giza Plateau, Khufu building uh, uh, the largest, Khafre building the second largest. But if you look at the Sphinx, and this has always mystified me my entire life, and then after meeting him and he described it, that's not the original head of the Sphinx. That's what it I thought. It was initially much larger. Yeah. yeah, because look at it. I mean, the Egyptians, they certainly understood perspective. They certainly understood geometry. Um, engineering, and so you have this massive, incredible statue, but the head looks too small. Mm-hmm. He said it apparently was whittled down from whatever it was before that, and he said the best we can speculate, it was probably just a lion. It was a giant lion, and of course, a sphinx is what? The body of a lion with the head of a person, mm-hmm. and so pharaohs, being you know incredible egotistical leaders, not that you know the United States would have any idea what that is, um, <laughs> they they uh, shaped and modeled it to then the head of the the sphinx to look like the pharaoh Khafre, and uh, you know, and that's what I said to him. I go, I've always wondered why the perspective was off, and and he said that's exactly that's exactly what what we think. So, you know, um, I could spend, literally, I could spend years in Egypt. Uh, that's one of the areas that I've always found in, incredibly fascinating. Um, uh, so so that's, you, I'm, I'm hoping for. No, 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 that's, uh, that's awesome. I, and have you heard about Gobleki Tempe, by chance? Yes, I have. In fact, one of the archaeologists who um, um, excavated that area was also one of the speakers at the ancient mysteries conference ah. and um, the Urfa man is one of the statues that they found there this statue uh, defies uh, the cultural and technological achievements of any civilization in the area and appears from what they can tell to be by far older than than Egypt, what right? is generally accepted, mm-hmm. and so Golbaki's on the Syrian-Turkish border, and the problem is, you know, between ISIS and the Syrian civil war, right. so many World Heritage sites have been destroyed by religious fanatics, and oh, now Assad backed by the Russians. I mean, it's just disgusting uh, what, what's happening. The fact that ISIS was ever allowed to form in the first place, you know, the U.S. Yeah. sat on its mm-hmm. hands, everybody sat on its hands, Turkey allowed it to form. Um, um, Assad and, and the Iraqi government couldn't do anything, and instead there are a bunch of uh, religious fanatics who destroyed priceless uh, world heritage sites and butchered and murdered uh, probably a million people. But that goes uh, throughout they, history. Yeah. I mean, Mark. I mean, look at uh, the the Library of Alexandria. I mean, look how much how much you know information and knowledge we could have gotten from that uh, that was you know destroyed. Oh, oh it's it sickening. Uh, it's sickening. And so, so uh, 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 Gobaki um, is is an anomaly. What is it? Right. The statues there, the architecture there, 
the way they're balanced, the way they're they're positioned, defies defies anything we know in history. And of course, there's people who feel that perhaps it was from some sort of off-world alien uh, influence. Uh, we have to always keep an open mind. Or maybe human beings thousands of years ago were just as intelligent and clever as they are now. It was just a different society. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. And uh, let me ask you a question, Mark. When you go to these places, I, I, I'm not sure, you know, you haven't been to Egypt yet, but I, when you go to certain places where you, you know, there, there's been, you know, historical events, do you find like there's a charge in the air? You being a psychic, it, it feels different. There's an, a certain energy about that area that it's just not the same as somewhere else, for instance. It, it depends on the site, but yes, when I was um, at Machu Picchu, the lost city of the Incas in the Andes Mountains in Peru, holy moly, was yeah. that intense. Mm. And something happened to me there, and this is one of these things that, you know, I, I've, I've actually never told this story before on the radio. Um, Exclusive. But, well, yeah, definitely. There is... Um, Gosh, we could we could spend an entire show just oh, on, on Machu Picchu and my experiences there. But Machu Picchu um, apparently had about ten thousand people in it. It was never conquered by the Spanish when they invaded Peru, um, and th we're not really sure why. It may have been because of its remote location. The Spanish couldn't find it. But even after the, the conquistadors invaded and conquered Peru, Machu Picchu somehow eluded. Uh, sorry, you can hear the. Uh, wow, wow, this is that, was that was a good oh, one. That was a good one. You can hear it. I know. Yeah, I can hear it. Um, long story short, um, the, the city was abandoned at some point, and the jungles grew over it until uh, I believe it was Yale professor Hiram Bingham quote-unquote, discovered it or rediscovered it around 1904. And it was like, oh, my God, this lost, fabled city. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, human sacrifice was going on at Machu Picchu, and the archaeologists are not so sure that it was like a forced thing. It appears to maybe have been considered to be an honor to be sacrificed to the gods, um, as opposed to the Aztecs of Central America, where they would conquer other tribes, round up people, and then have their hearts ripped out on a daily basis <laughs> to uh, to honor their gods. Yeah, I yeah. mean, <laughs> yeah, you wonder why the Spanish, you know, came in bringing the Inquisition and all right. these Catholic priests. They see this, oh, devil worship. By the way, they've got gold, so let's kill all them and take the gold. Yeah. All right, so back to Peru. Actually, okay, they didn't even like, have to kill them. They just, just sat around, and their disease just, you know, Basically, oh yeah, up. the d disease, uh, the European diseases, yeah. killed ninety percent of the people in Ugh. Mesoamerica within ten years of the Spanish That's landing crazy. there. And by the time the conquistadors entered Peru, mm -hmm. um, the the plague of, of smallpox and influenza had already reached Peru and was decimating the population. So here I am at Machu Picchu, and there's the human sacrificial altar. And I'm a bit of a shutter bug, you know, I'm there with my camera, and I'm taking all these pictures. And there was this stone um, hut, and I went into the stone hut because it was about, about 150 feet from where this huge slab, uh, the quote-unquote human sacrificial altar. So I'm standing in the hut, and will something happen to me? Mm. All of a sudden, there was this flash and it's like I was out of my body, mm -hmm. and I saw 
a whole line of these. There oh, that it was is. rather ominous. That was good. Yeah, <laughs> telling the story there in this storm. A uh, whole line of people uh, dressed in feathers and gold jewelry, and they were definitely Incas, and it was uh. obviously a religious procession. And I realized, like, I was seeing it from the perspective of the person who was going to be led out of this hut to the sacrificial altar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I was there, Will. Wow. All of a sudden, I was there, and I have never in any book or any painting or anything seen seen anything like this and it was like it was real life like it was just a movie it, right like you were it, there it was, i was there and it lasted maybe five seconds mm. it was like wham you know and then i came out of it and i, mean, I remember walking out of the hut and and um uh, the friend i was with um he was um actually he's a, a historian um he's like what happened and I had to sit down, and I said, you're not going to believe this. And I told him, and he was looking at me, and he goes, God, when you're around, the weirdest things happen, <laughs> you know, which, <laughs> which, you know, it's funny, but, but um, it, was, it was really intense. And I visited other sites uh, where I've had things uh, happen. I mean, you know, we don't have enough time to get in all that. I'll, I'll have to come back to talk about yeah. those. No, of course. But that one was, was really something. Uh, but I've had other... other um, um, incidents in in uh, the tower of london mm. in the jungles of central america at the uh, mayan temples at uh, dachau the former concentration camp in germany and then mm-hmm. um uh, you know and in uh, hawaii mm. at the site of this this big battle so there have been many instances where I've, I've encountered these things. Well, no, that's amazing. I mean, I, and I would only imagine because, you know, um, I'm not a psychic myself, but I do feel and I pick up energies. And I, I could tell you there's been some spots in the United States as well um, where it's just like, oh, you get this charge. Like it's 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 like almost like a ringing in your ear, but not. And it's just like you feel it, like almost like your hairs and your arm are standing up on you know, on purpose. And But you don't know why. But, yeah, I, I totally get what you're talking about. And it's just amazing that you're able to pick up on all these things when you go to these spots. And, um, again, we're going to have to bring you back on to talk about all those other places that you've gone to and, and, and you know, had this type of experience. But um, I also want to uh, remind the listeners about your two books, uh, of course, um, Never Letting Go and uh, Evidence of Eternity. Um, and um, where can they find those books, uh, Mark, where they uh, they can pick those up and, and, and enjoy those? Well, they're, they're at all um, all bookstores, all Barnes & Nobles. But here's the thing, Will. If, if people go to my website, which is evidenceofeternity.com, which is the same as the my book, Evidence of Eternity, mm-hmm. you can um, click on, on the link. It'll, you can buy them from Amazon there. But for all listeners of Dark Fringe Radio, if you want to have a private reading with me, a telephone reading, which is just as accurate as an in-person reading, and if you click on that, make sure that you mention Dark Fringe Radio and um, or Will, you know, mm-hmm. okay, give Will's name or Dark Fringe Radio, you will be eligible for a reduction in the fee on the reading. Wonderful. And I want to make this available for Dark Fringe Radio uh, listeners. Make sure you mention Dark Fringe Radio and Will in the application form for a telephone reading uh, on my website, evidenceofeternity.com. And when you're on the website, I invite you to subscribe to my newsletter 
and um, also uh, you're welcome to to follow me on Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel as well and that can all be at evidenceofeternity.com very simple very easy for all you guys to get all your fixings of Mr. Mark Anthony, of course. And uh, there's uh, plenty of information uh, out there. And uh, please take advantage of that uh, that offer that uh, Mark Anthony is offering to all the Dark Fringe Radio listeners. Please uh, check that out. Take advantage and just mention Dark Fringe Radio and uh, you can uh, definitely get a discount. So we really appreciate that, Mark Anthony. I really do appreciate that. Thank you for coming on the show again tonight and uh, enlightening us and giving us a positive spin in these dark, dark, dark times, my friend. Thank you. And to all the listeners of Dark Fringe Radio, I'm Mark Anthony, the author of Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity, and keep tuning in to Dark Fringe Radio. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Mr. Mark Anthony. And of course, you can find all of his uh, information at evidenceofeternity.com. Uh, that's where you can pick up his books and um, all of his stuff and where he's going to be uh, you know, sharing all of his information. And then as soon as, the, of course, the COVID stuff starts to clear up, uh, he'll start his uh, tour again. Uh, but please uh, pick up his two books, uh, Evidence of Eternity, and uh, the other one that he has out currently now as well. Very, very good stuff. Uh, I highly, listen, I've had, I've talked to a lot of uh, psychics on this show. And, uh, and uh, listen, uh, Mark Anthony is probably the most accurate and in tune, I can tell you, uh, when it comes to all this stuff. So make sure you pick all that stuff up at evidenceofeternity.com. Of course, uh, Mr. Mark Anthony, and we do appreciate you coming on the podcast. So uh, that brings us to the outro, Jay. And uh, before we uh, say goodbye to everybody, let's uh, give a little taste of uh, what to watch. And what do you have this week for uh, what to watch, Jay? I have a weird one. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. This one's, this one's going to strike you a little weird. Okay. Uh, it's called Far and Away. Oh, the movie? Have you ever seen Far and Away, William? The movie? Yeah. Yeah, with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. I know that movie very well. Yeah, so it's a great movie. Yeah. Um, first 20 it's minutes. very interesting. First 20 minutes are awesome, by the way, because Tom Cruise plays a boxer. Oh. A bare-knuckle boxer. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just whooping funny. people's asses. But go ahead. It's, it's funny. Catherine said that I would identify with Tom Cruise's character, and she wasn't completely wrong. Um, <laughs> but it it really, I found it to be awful telling. Uh, very interesting when we watched it. Because uh, I'd forgotten about some of the Irish Irish slavery yeah. and racism against the Irish that went along. Mm-hmm. And that even though there was severe, severe racism against Irish and many other nationalities at that time. Italian. Um, it gave me hope. Because eventually the Irish have been chosen, and I know with all that's going on, it's a lot more complicated than what it was back then, uh, and it's been going on for twice as long. But I have hope. I have hope. I, I have belief that we are going to find the middle ground, and things are going to get better uh, with everything that's going on. Me too. I I think. Yeah. No, it's a great movie. So Far man. Away was an interesting movie for that. Uh, it was cool on the historical side. Right. Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise's first movie together. Mm-hmm. So this is when they were like just learning who each other was, and she sees his penis. Always good. <laughs> Hello, lady. <laughs> and and she's like six foot tall, and he's like four foot tall. So yeah. that always gives me hope. 
that's true too. Yeah, she's much taller than he is. He's a he is a historically short man of stature, but uh, nonetheless, he was able yep. to pull off of getting a a beautiful woman like Nicole Kidman. And uh, yeah, that's a great movie, Jay. Yeah, like I said, the first twenty to thirty minutes is just. Um, it's just nonstop action, pretty much, for those first 30 minutes. And it's a great story. And it, you're absolutely right. It really, I, like, I like the dad dying twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. And it, it, not only that, like you said, Jay, it, it gives a pretty good depiction of history as far as, you know, how America was during that time where you could actually go out and, you know, ride out into the middle of the land and put your stake in a piece of property and it'd be yours. You know what I mean? And uh, that's uh, that's always a, a interesting thing. Like you today, like if you were to do that now, like that would be the weird, weirdest thing ever. You know what I mean? People would kill each other. Yeah. People would kill each other over shit like they that. Would. You know what they, I mean? They really would. They really would. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Would. So, uh, yeah. Very interesting movie. Very interesting story. Uh, Jay, that's a great one for what to watch. I highly recommend that one, too. That's great. Uh, so uh, far and away with uh, Tom Cruise, and Nicole Kidman. So great choice, Jay. I really do appreciate that. So. That brings us to the outro, of course. I uh, just want to remind everybody again how you can listen to the podcast. Just go to darkfringeradio.wordpress.com, and uh, right there it'll have all your streaming sites available for you to listen to the podcast. And, of course, on social media, Dark Fringe Radio, and uh, that's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So make sure you uh, like, share, and uh, spread the word on that, and we really appreciate it. So uh, that's it for the outro. Jay, you have anything else to add? Keep it tuned up for uh, What's Your Handle. You can find it on uh, Facebook, uh, check into, uh, it's, that's what's your handle. What's your handle podcast, podcast on Facebook. Mm-hmm. What's your handle podcast. Uh, yep. Uh, so check into that. I'm going to start posting some stuff. I posted something on Father's Day. It got absolutely nothing, but that's okay. That's the very first post. That's okay. We got that's, better stuff coming along. That's okay. That's right. So, uh, keep in tune up and, uh, certainly feel free to bring up topics, put things up. Uh, I'm going to be doing that hopefully more and more. Uh, as my time becomes less and less trying to just, you know, avoid people. <laughs> no, I think that's going to be great, Jay. And I can't wait for all that stuff to start coming out more and more. Uh, we really look uh, forward to it. And uh, like I said, we'll promote the hell out of it here at Dark Fringe Radio. So, um, again, I am Will Martinez uh, for Dark Fringe Radio. Of course, my co-host, Jay Galosi. Thank you for joining in on another episode of Dark Fringe Radio. And we'll see you again next week. 